Welcome to Sane Split, a podcast about staying sane when relationships end. I am AJ Jakubowska, family law lawyer and mediator. Just like you, I'm human. I understand what can happen when people separate. Lots of questions swirling around like confetti. Lots of uncertainty, perhaps anger, disappointment, or even pain. Sleepless nights, shallow breathing. Will I ever be happy again? Will the kids be okay? How much is all this going to cost? All of these questions are human and you're not alone. This podcast features my thoughts about separation and my interviews with other humans who help people when their relationships end. People who assist with legal issues, who mediate, who look after hearts and minds, and even after the pocketbook. People who might help you plan your future. What you will hear is not legal advice. These are dialogues primarily about the human aspect of separation. We will try to stay away from legal lingo. It's humans talking to humans. I hope that something you hear will help you navigate your way to a sane split. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. In the last episode, I meandered quite a bit, meaning I took my sweet time to get to my point. So I will get to the point very quickly this time, I promise. Our topic today is communicating effectively with the other parent. And trust me when I say this is something I hear from parents each and every day, both as a lawyer and a mediator. Their angst at the idea that they have to respond to yet another angry, demeaning, or challenging text or email from the other parent, and they simply don't know what to do anymore. These texts and emails just keep coming over and over again. So if you have found yourself in the midst of a communication battle with the other parent, I hope that some of my tips today will help you douse the fire a bit and turn down the temperature generally. Here's tip number one. The end point of these battles of words is not to win. You are not in competition with the other parent. I realize the point for the other parent may be to win. They may think they are winning something, but are they? If you adopt the same mindset, the battle will never end and you will just keep shooting bullets at each other endlessly. What is the real point of your attempts to communicate, stripping away the unnecessary, accusatory, challenging language. The point is, the actual point is to exchange information about the children as effectively and concisely as possible. Try and keep that in mind. Even repeat that to yourself out loud before you click on that next text or that email. The one you're anticipating will be nasty and demeaning and challenging and full of completely unnecessary comments and accusations. 
write it out on a sticky and put it on your computer screen. You are reading the message from the other parent for actual meaningful content. You are searching for information about your child or children. The rest of the verbiage is, in fact, irrelevant and likely completely unimportant. So apply a filter right away, a lens that will help you zero in only on information you actually need. Let me give you a very simplistic example, but one that illustrates my point. If the other parent sent you a text to let you know that your child has been sick while in their care, that is the point of the communication. And that is what you should be taking out of it. The editorial in the balance of the text, that you're worthless, that you better take care of your child so that he or she doesn't get any sicker because you apparently haven't in the past. All that is designed to get you off balance and to invite further engagement. Filter it out. What I have suggested to my clients in the past, both in my family law and mediation practice, is that they either print out the communication and underline on it only the relevant portions or highlight them on their device. The rest is verbiage. It's gratuitous, unnecessary verbiage. Here's tip number two. Many people, and in this instance, we're talking about people who are experiencing separation, are under the impression that they have to respond to every communication from the other parent. That is, in fact, not the case. I am not remotely suggesting that you completely ignore emails or texts. Parents do need to be in touch about their kids. What I am saying is you don't have to respond each time or to everything, and particularly not when the communication is disrespectful and gratuitous. Let's go back to the example I used in the first tip. You get a text from the other parent saying that Jimmy has been ill that he had a temperature and has been coughing. And so far, the COVID test the other parent administered has been negative. In addition to that information, there are 12 other sentences in the text that accuse you of this and that, both during the marriage and after the separation, and have nothing to do with the information actually being passed on by one parent to the other. If I had a client asking me what to do in response to such an email or text, I would tell them to email or text back saying, quote, thank you for letting me know Jimmy has been unwell. I will keep you posted if there are further developments. Close quote. You don't have to engage and respond to any of the other stuff. In fact, 
the less you give in to that urge, the less likely the other side is to continue to try and engage. You're taking the flame out of the fire. You are depriving the fire of oxygen, so it's more likely to die down. If you respond beyond what I have suggested, consider that you will be giving the fire new life and the likelihood that the other parent will then volley back becomes much greater. Tip number three. Before you communicate with the other parent or respond to a communication from them, think who is going to be reading these texts or emails. Because the reality is that if you are separated and if you and the other parent are experiencing a level of conflict around parenting issues, it is entirely possible that at some point, a decision maker like a judge or an arbitrator may have to get involved, or perhaps even the Children's Aid Society. Hopefully that's unlikely in your case, but you should consider the possibility. Decision makers like judges and arbitrators are always looking for parents who are trying to turn down the temperature, not fuel the fire. You will want a hypothetical reader of your written communications with the other parent to conclude, after reviewing the exchanges, that you are the parent interested in keeping things calm. And it's the other parent who is ratcheting things up and trying to engage gratuitously. The fact that the other parent fires an accusatory bullet at you and that you don't respond by shooting back the same type of bullet doesn't mean that they won and you lost or that you're agreeing with what they have said. They have a reason for using the words they have used. It's likely they know how you will react and they're trying to elicit that very reaction from you. They are pressing a button, which they know is likely to light you up with anger and perhaps say things you don't want to say. Bear that in mind. Tip number four, apply the 24-hour rule whenever you can. I apply it every day in both my professional and personal life. Here's what I mean. Your phone goes ping. You're in the middle of a meeting. You quickly glance at your phone. It's a nasty text from the other parent. As soon as the meeting breaks, you run to the washroom and you quickly fire off a response. I suggest dealing with this text differently if you can. Read the text while in the washroom. That's fine. Get angry about it in front of the bathroom mirror and then go back to your meeting. You will be thinking about the email and the unfairness of it, but don't respond. Unless there is an emergency and the email contains or the text contains emergency information that does require your acknowledging receipt right away, don't respond for 24 hours. 
Trust me when I say that your response will be different 24 hours later than it would be if you fired off your response right away in the bathroom at the break from your meeting. The content will be different. The tone will be different. You will be different when you're writing it out. You will also be sending an important overall message to the other parent that you don't jump every time they say hop. It's not about not dealing with kids' issues when they need to be addressed. It's about doing it in a reasonable, structured, and respectful way. Tip number five, don't hand the aggressor the bullets. And what I'm about to say, I already alluded to in tip number four. What the other parent is likely trying to do is impose the rules of engagement on you. They're trying to get you to commit to their rules of the game. They may very well be trying to insult you, demean you, and accuse you of things you haven't done. But consider why they're doing it. To meet their psychological needs, perhaps, their own needs? What do those needs have to do with you, especially now that you're separated? And what does any of this have to do with the kids? If you always respond to either a text or an email within five minutes of receiving it, it will very significantly impact on the way you respond. And second, you will create an expectation in the other side that you will always do so, respond right away. And the other side knows that if you feel this kind of pressure, you will not be responding at your best. Don't do it. Alter the rules of the game. It's not a game to begin with, but that's how the other side may be viewing it. Turn down the temperature. Exercise some control over what is happening. Tip number six. B-I-F-F. Brief, informative, friendly, and firm. That's what communications between separated parents should be. In fact, any communications that involve potential conflict. I can't take credit for this brilliant acronym and concept. The person who actually came up with this idea is Bill Eddy, a very experienced and talented senior family mediator and head of the High Conflict Institute. Sometimes I'm sitting in front of a client who has experienced and extensive figurative bruising and battering from a barrage of nasty, confrontational texts or emails from the other parent. And then I tell them their responses are to be friendly. And they quite understandably look at me as if I've lost my mind. I'm asking them to say good morning to a bully. But you need to do it because it will turn down the temperature, perhaps not right away, but over time it will. And B 
someone other than you and the other parent may eventually be reading these communications. It's not about being disingenuous. It's about setting a tone and demanding the same in kind. Hey, girl, you say, it's all nice theory, but do you know how hard it is to put this into practice when you get that text or email? I do. I told you I practice this in my personal life and professional life. At least I try hard to do that. Remember, I receive many communications as a family law lawyer. Some of them are not that nice or friendly. And yes, some of them are clearly designed to upset both my client and me. Yes, I try to practice what I preach. And for you, the goal is to navigate your way to a sane split and learning to manage your communications with the other parent is one of the keys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. I hope you will tune in again. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. Subscribing to the podcast through your favorite app will make future episodes available to you automatically. Signing off for now.